Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky How Sondheim and Lapine Went Into the Woods with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Lar Lubavitch, the original choreographer. Once upon a time. Lar Lubavitch choreographed the original Broadway production of Into the Woods, for which he was nominated for a 1988 Tony Award. He also choreographed the Tony-winning revival of The King and I, starring Donna Murphy, and received the Astaire Award for choreographing Broadway's The Red Shoes. His dances on film include the Emmy-nominated Othello, Fandango, and Robert Altman's The Company. Based in New York City and founded in 1968, the Lar Lubavitch Dance Company has performed throughout the world, and his dances have also been performed by many other major companies, including American Ballet Theatre, the Joffrey Ballet, New York City Ballet, Paris Opera Ballet, Royal Danish Ballet, San Francisco Ballet, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theatre, and many others. Lubavitch is a distinguished professor of dance at UC Irvine, and in 2014 he was awarded an honorary doctorate by the Juilliard School. But you've gone on to do several other things, um, musical theater related, since Into the Woods. And of course, Into the Woods is such a, um, uh, especially as time goes on, such a sort of, you know, iconic musical for generations. But prior to that, what was your musical theater um, affinity or experience? Had you done stuff in school? Where, Where did you intersect? Zero. I had wow. no relationship to musical theater whatsoever. I was concerned entirely with concert dance. Uh, yeah. So I, I, what year was it? I was 80, 87. By 87, I had my own company for 20 years. My own dance company. And some of the stuff even that you do, though, in that vein, outside of musical theater, has some overlap. Like the the Gershwin stuff. And um, uh, I mean, I suppose it's splitting hairs because I, and I, I've read interviews you've given where you talked about the storytelling aspect of yeah. dance being so important to you, which of course would make you a decent, you know, candidate to cross over. Um, but, how, but how did it come into your, how did you first hear that Into the Woods was a thing? Well, I actually didn't hear about it. Uh, I was contacted, uh, actually, first by Heidi Landisman, mm. uh, uh, representing James. And uh, I know that James had some background with dance. He was interested in concert dance. I think he had done some work with Twyla Tharp. Mm. I don't know precisely what vein. Maybe he had done some images for him because he had done some graphic design. Um, but he was aware of concert dance, and apparently they were going to see dance and scouting around. Mm. So um, I had, I believe I had recently done New York season at City Center, and James and Heidi must have seen it. And so I got the call to come discuss a project with them, but I really had no idea what it was about at that time. And um, I heard that some choreographers were were given like, like kind of like an audition workshop to get this job? Was that something that you were part of? No, 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 no audition was suggested. You you didn't choreograph things on the actors before you had the job? No. Oh, no, good. Okay. <laughs> I, Heidi, I remember the discussion 
and I had got some pre-information, whether it was, I think it was um, from Heidi about the subject. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the discussion was about how I visualized these people in movement. And, and I, I remember speaking about trying to capture a storybook movement, like uh, uh, the way people seem to be moving in illustrated storybooks. Mm. And wanting to find a way that, that conveyed that kind of uh, graphic idea. That's so interesting. Could you say more, more about that? Well, all of those fairy tale books are highly illustrated. I'm going to fail to bring up the correct name, but there, <laughs> but, uh, there's one series of most of those fairy tales illustrated by a, a prominent French children's book illustrator. And those illustrations are full of movement and suggest a lot of behavioral things. Like you can see the kind of dainty way the wealthier sets are are posing and shaping themselves as opposed to the peasant stories with rounded backs, more humble kind of shapes and feelings that they're, that they're uh, conveying. That is fascinating. I, I'm, I'm, I'm already so gratified by this conversation. Um, I, and I can visualize the books and it, I can see it in the, the movement in that production and in the costumes too, actually, it feels integrated. Um, yes, we were, that, all, we were all consulting those same books as a source. I mean, James too much. And um, uh was that something that you were able to impart outside the realm of the musical numbers that, cause it feels so integrated into the entire staging of the show, or was it a more traditional sort of Broadway, like you come in for the songs, the song ends, and then you're out. Um, I did the musical staging and my title was musical stager. And mm. Or, you know, people in musical theater know what that means as opposed to choreographer. It is a different skill set, is a different um, obligation. And I don't know if that's part of this conversation, but... Sure. But for the most part, it's what people do while they're singing is the musical staging. But I had very little to do with any of the staging during dialogue. Yeah. James is particularly uh, interested in my involvement if there were more than two people singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's one person singing, it's more of a dramatic, uh, you know, it's more of a monologue. It can be handled by a director. But in my experience with James and subsequently with other directors I worked with, they are not comfortable when the numbers get beyond two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some sections that broke out right into dancing, but there's some choreography. But I was, I was sort of warned, not warned, but advised in advance that Stephen Sondheim uh, is skeptical of dance in his musicals, not skeptical of dance in general, but in his musicals. Yeah. And you must know that there's not a lot of choreography or a lot of dance in his musicals. Uh, he's of the school that believes that everything has to move the story forward. And we all know how frequently dance had not done that and still frequently does not do it. Yeah. And, you know, there are always rare examples of Jerry Robbins musicals where dance yeah. story but but for the most part sometimes uncomfortable with anything that doesn't move the story forward yeah and and had you had um had you seen the sondheim shows were you familiar with that going into the project or was that just something that was communicated to you 
No, I, I was very aware of them. I'd seen Company and I'd seen yeah. Mark, absolutely very great and uh, very moving and real, real state, yeah. not, not just fluff. And uh, what was there um, when you were given the material of uh, such as it existed, I guess, early in 1987, when you when you would have started working, what was there? Um, were there places in this in the score, I guess, in songs where you, there might have been a possibility of more kind of dance that you might have wanted to do had that not been James and Stephen's uh, desire? Well, I would say there were possibly some movement that I wouldn't call dance, but more staging within some of the songs. And I did stage some of the solos as well. But uh, Stephen, coming back to really where the the buck stops, really doesn't like people to move while they're singing his songs. Yeah, yeah. He's willing to give in to the so-called button that Broadway you know, language is so familiar with. It's got to end somehow. But other than the button, he really wants people to stand still with their arms at their sides and sing. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you know what his songs are like. They're extremely intricate. Yeah. And you don't yeah. want distractions. Yeah. Um, it's funny that they wouldn't think, I, I would think that especially the kind of sort of storytelling movement that you do would help uh, illuminate the intricate lyrics rather than distracting from them. I mean, but maybe maybe it's a matter of degree. Um, what was there a challenge because it wasn't a cast of by any means dancers? I mean, they weren't. A lot of them were not even really. Um, some of them were more actors rather than sort of musical theater. Uh, you know, uh, people. Was it challenging to get them moving, especially in the group numbers? They were definitely not movers, not dancers. But yeah, experienced seasoned uh, theater, musical theater actors often called upon to move. So there's there's some sense of the ability to to follow movement instruction. Yeah, and I had to tailor the move with movement uh, within their ability. Yes, I, I couldn't expect something beyond the capabilities. It would would look at and it would embarrass them. Besides, so so my job very differently than I work with dancers with the capacity for movement is to find the language that is comfortable on their bodies, but expressive enough to convey the movement ideas. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and also I heard that at some point in the, um, maybe in the workshop process, I guess that was in the summer before the um, Broadway rehearsals actually started, that there had been uh, sequences that you choreographed on dancers, maybe from your company or, or other other people, to show uh, to Sondheim and Lapine what the number might look like fully realized. Is that true? That's absolutely true, yes. I utilize my company to stage the larger group actions. There is a real dance at the beginning, something that one might call a dance. Uh, and um, yeah, I staged that because I was an unknown. James did hire me to do the show. I didn't have to audition, but um, I'm not sure if it was decided that I should do things in advance, but I think that I chose to. And, and James is um, not definitive about his taste and his choice. Um, he needs to see a lot of things before he can decide, in my experience, before he can decide 
what really um, is what he's looking for. He's he's not that sure, but I totally understand that. Yeah. And until you find it, you throw away a lot of stuff. You're going to yeah. be wrong more often than right. <laughs> yeah, and that's. Except. Uh, I mean, that's such an interesting way of working. I would, would you ever, did you ever think later on to repeat that kind of a process just because it is rather than dealing with the more time consuming of putting the movement on actors and then finding out that the director isn't happy. Would you, did you ever think of doing that again? So that, cause I'm sure your own company can pick it up from you much faster. Yes, it was definitely, definitely faster to work that way. But then, of course, once it was transferred to the actors, then you find out what they really can and can comfortably do. So everything was, you know, had to be pared down a bit and custom fit. Yeah. And I mean, and some of them probably, you know, certainly Bernadette Peters is somebody that, you know, is, you know, something of a triple threat. Was there Was there any place to kind of take advantage of that? I mean, I can think of some of her kind of which movements is having kind of more of like a grandeur and taking up the stage and we, we worked on her physical life she and I together and James kind of sent us in another room to to work together to find out physically how she could embody this crippled witch you know, mm. part of the transformation and we did some pretty crazy things like I actually brought in um uh uh, slender ropes and and tied her arms and legs up like tied one of her arms to her leg and then tied the other arm in a way across her chest and she couldn't so any movement she had to do would be restricted by the constraints and and whether it produced the character she eventually put on stage specifically i'm not sure but it was in the mix yeah something we explored and, and bernadette is very open and very willing an extremely generous artist, um, one of the most generous artists I've ever worked with. So anything that I wanted to try experimentally, she's always game for it, happy to try it, investing in it. Fascinating. So did things like that. So she'd find her physical life as, as, the, as the crippled witch. That Well, it certainly paid off. I mean, it is such a wonderful physical transformation. For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them, I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you can kickstart a new healthy routine what are you waiting for with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week you'll always have new flavors to explore crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from breakfast to dessert stay fueled with easy nutritious options treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp and blackened salmon and kitchen time is kept to a minimum they are ready in two minutes no shopping no prepping no cooking no cleanup enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories 
calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I guess along the same lines, I'm curious about um, with Robert Westenberg as the wolf, was there that kind of uh, approach as well? He can kind of dance, actually. Oh, yeah. Yes, because he does, he does a bit of a dance in his yeah. uh, number, a bit of a soft shoe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the staging for that number is probably dancier than almost any other number in the show. Yeah. And the music calls for it. The music is written like a vaudeville soft shoe. Mm. So, so nobody objected to that. It seemed appropriate. Yeah, it really is, is seamlessly just happens. I mean, uh, it almost, it's funny, it is the most uh, dance-like, you know, I guess performative thing in maybe the whole show, and yet it doesn't at all stick out. It feels like what the wolf would do in that writing. I think that's true, even though it has that kind of a traditional vaudeville kind of bent to it, 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 it doesn't stand out as separate from the overall no. sense of it. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, was it, um, uh, oh, oh, by the way, from that workshop, I don't know how involved you were at that point in, in like July, August of 87. I, I wasn't involved in any workshop. From oh, no. I came out stage in the show. Oh, okay. So they you did They had done a production in California. Yeah. Which I knew nothing about. And in fact, I uh, was advised not to look at the videos of it because- mm wanted to think differently having found what he found yeah want to inflect back to where they were so i actually don't know what it's like but by the time i was on it wasn't the workshop anymore we were actually staging the show so you never did it with with uh, betty buckley or burke moses or any of those people i did work with betty buckley do you remember anything about her witch? I'm so fascinated by what that might have been as in the other, you know, incarnation. Um, Betty is an incredibly powerful presence uh, and not to be ignored, not to be taken lightly. And when Betty opens her mouth to act or sing, it kind of pins everyone to the wall. She's just a, a uniquely powerful presence, singing in particular. It's difficult to do anything but stand still when she's singing. I mean, for others, because she's so riveting. Um, and so she's a very, very powerful character. And, and those songs were unbelievable uh, under her voice. Um, I almost wondered if it was too much voice for Sondheim. Mm. Because, you know, he likes people to sing in a kind of a speak natural voice. He, he he doesn't use operatic style voices or big belting voices. He likes a natural sound. So mm. that kind of relates to their acting voice to a certain extent. And, you know, there are a whole slew of marvelous Broadway actor-singers who can do that and mm. in that way. Interesting. Um, and uh, what about with any of the other um, characters or the specific actors? Were, were there anything else like where, like the soft shoe or Bernadette's um, witch persona, where there was a, a specific thing that that you know we we see your your contribution? I don't think anything as ornate as the experiments with Bernadette, but just in the process of staging the numbers, 
um, people discovering their characters and their physical life, how they handle their props, um, their posture, things like that. Yeah, it, it all comes up in process, but but not so specifically by intent. And and if I if you don't mind me asking you kind of just like uh, like pragmatic technical questions, like I mean nowadays on a Broadway musical there would be an associate choreographer, an assistant choreographer, and dance captains. And, uh, you know, I, I I didn't see those kind of credits for Into the Woods. Who maintained, like, when replacement cast, did you go back and work with other people? I went back usually, yes. And, and it was called for to see the show once or twice a week. Wow. All rehearsals if necessary, whether it was for replacements or understudies or if something had slipped. And 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 how about for the tour? I mean, I think of Cleo Lane as such a unique um, jazz presence. Did that bring new things to the movement? Uh, well, Cleo Lane is considerably older than Bernadette mm. and actually physically not as capable of doing the original staging. I actually had to restage a number of things for her that were within her comfort zone. Mm. And she was pretty well aware of her... Um, her physical capacity and uh, and really wouldn't do what did not feel right on her. Mm. Why, why, wise. Um, I did see one grainy, scratchy video of her and uh, it seems like you guys uh, did a good job ex- externally selling it, uh, glossing over whatever there was. No disrespect intended, but, but covering her. Yes because she yeah. brought other great things to it sure uh, wisdom depth experience mm. yeah. and um uh i'm curious uh like did you do anything special for when the filming was happening for the american playhouse broadcast did anything have to be adapted uh to play better on the cameras or in the different lighting or anything I'm not sure what what you're referring to. We did a, a, a archival recordings from Library of Performing Arts, which is there. I'm not not exactly aware of what you're describing. You know, it was filmed for PBS and 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 home video. Yeah, the PBS video was the I thought it was library archival video, which is done with you no know, high quality camera work and editing and stuff. Um, but perhaps there was another um, entity involved I wasn't aware of. But you didn't have to do any special adjustments for that. No. Um, well, it plays beautifully. I mean, it really, um, it's been such like a, I think a gateway to certainly to Sondheim's other stuff, but to musical theater in general, I think for generations of, of theater students and fans and artists and everything since then. Well, there's, there's such an essential simplicity to it that it's so approachable uh, at so many different levels for so many groups of people who wanted to do it. Uh, James might have written a very masterful book about Sunday in the Park with George, but in fact, it's Into the Woods that has plagues. Yeah. It's never been out of circulation somewhere. Totally. to London to see the Dunmar Warehouse production of Into the Woods. Oh, yeah. That's Bob Bob Crowley, John Crowley? Yeah, something like that. And, of course, very, very different. And Dunmar Warehouse, things are done much more uh, economically. uh, Yeah. Intimately, it was quite a wonderful production. Yeah. There was also that cool um, Fiasco Theater Company production. Did you catch that one at the Laura Pels? No. It was, you know, with um, a small cast doubling in all the roles and them using sort of found ad hoc 
props and costume pieces, like horizontal blinds to be the stepsisters' dresses. And that, that, that's the thing. It can be done that way and can be perfectly cogent and perfectly understandable. It's just written in such a way that it can't be damaged, so to speak. Yeah. Do I, I do wonder, like, if it ever um, uh, could be reinterpreted um, more as a dance piece, you know, if if there if the, there could be in the way that it could breathe and become these different kind of takes on it, if there could be a much, uh, you know, maybe even less literal, just sort of more um, fluid version of it. Do you think it has the the possibility of that? I don't think that is a consideration I would I would make. It, it's not a piece of material that would want to be. Uh, transmuted to another form mm -hmm. is what it is are, are there any uh other Sondheim musicals that you that you ever had your eye on to to maybe uh, do that with or 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 even just to um even just to choreograph uh, no that was the one I was invited to be a part of much to my um uh, privilege but uh and I've followed his work of course since then but n none that I would have thought to participate in well, we're certainly glad that you participated in this one. I mean, it really, uh, I mean, many musicals have cast recordings that, you know, are celebrated and preserve their legacy, but that PBS broadcast of Into the Woods has made it live on and live on in that production, in your musical staging. And it's it's such a, um, a treasure, I think, for so many people. And it's been a calling card for the show. And uh, thank you for, for sharing your your process of it. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 19 with Ellen Foley, the witch in both the Old Globe production and the closing Broadway cast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.